How much uh, echo? Is there a lot of echo still up there, Bo, with the microphone now? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's all right. Be a good night to read all the scriptures that God said. <laughs> Should I be the name for that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's time for us to uh, to begin tonight. Uh, tonight is the last uh, night for our lesson on life enrichment, and we'll move from here on to uh, our next topic: falling in love with Jesus. So. Lord willing, that'll be the next, uh, the next series of our Wednesday night Bible class. It's good to hear, I uh, see you tonight, both those who are here present and, um, those online. We thank God for your attention. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Kind Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day, the beauties, Lord God, of the snow to, to witness, uh, for ourselves that you have made every snowflake different. It just shows your genius and, your power. We thank you for it. We thank you, Lord God, for your mercy and for your care, for allowing us to come tonight to study your word. Please guide us into all truth and help us as only you can. And bless us, your children. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son, in whom you are so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. It's in his name we pray and thank thee for be that will. Amen. Okay, tonight we're going to... Um, use the idea of open doors as an acrostic. So our entire lesson will be uh, regarding uh, open doors. For safety reasons, many people have, uh, we found ourselves placing ourselves into some sort of a, of a prison. And I'm talking about the prison of the mind. Because it becomes a safe haven, you know, to kind of go into your own shell. It's a way that many people uh, cope with challenging and traumatic uh, situations uh, of the past. We just, we get into this shell and it's protection. And the only one that can unlock that door, if you will, would be you, uh, would, would be with the help of God. And so tonight we're talking about open doors and trying to encourage uh, those of us who, when you, when you find yourself in a shell, how do you, how do you get out of that shell? Or rather, should I say, um, what happens inside of the mind? So the first is opposition. Hostility of, of the past that we face, it shapes our character. It molds us into these, this individual that, uh, we're broken. And, and then we, we, we want to fight back and we desire to fight back. But there's this chain that links us to our past. And, and, you know, Jesus talked about that. He said to let go of the sin that so easily entangles us. But there's this, this chain that, that becomes our yoke of bondage. It holds us up, right? I want to look at Ephesians chapter four. And that chain, um, has to be broken, but only you can break that chain. You can break your chain. Verse 7, listen to what it says. But to each one of us, a grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So this idea of captives, that we were captured by Satan, and Jesus led these captives 
captive, right? He, he led us away from captivity and brought us into his captivity, which is, which is freedom. But some of us have captured ourselves and placed ourselves in this prison. And we, we don't want to be in this place, but it's safe in this place. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, or at least it feels safe. So the principle tonight is release. The principle of release. Galatians 5 and verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So again, this idea of being free, being released from captivity. The captivity sometimes of the mind. The captivity of our past. Turn to Luke chapter 9. And let me just say this while we're going there. The the reverb, the echo that you're hearing is because we are in the process of installing new carpet. And so uh, it's not your television. <laughs> Luke 9 and verse 62. Here's what Jesus says. No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus is talking about. You can't live for Jesus looking backwards. You have to reach and look forwards. And while you're going forward, you can't look backwards. If you're plowing and you look backwards, your lines are going to be crooked. If we're looking backwards, we're going to find ourselves missing the mark. Jesus says it's important for his people to forgive themselves of their past. To let go of the past. To forgive others in the past. And to release yourself. Release yourself from this captivity that we found ourselves in. The next is pressure. Pressures from without influence us in uh, in amazing ways. And it influences us from within. There are uh, so many people that... uh, I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 1. Um, who pattern their lives after uh, issues that have happened growing up, this peer pressure that was in their lives, and now they pattern their lives to try to prove something to people in their past uh, who said maybe, uh, you know, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I have braces, I'm this, I'm that. I want to make myself look better than what I used to look like. And this peer pressure pressures us, and as it pressures us, it molds our minds and again increases that captivity. Proverbs 1, verse 10, peer pressure. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. We must be careful of the company that we choose. Chapter 13, please, of Proverbs. Because the company that we choose can certainly nearly destroy us. Right? Be careful. Proverbs 13 and verse 20, the Bible says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the company of fools will suffer harm. And so Galatians, please, chapter 5. Galatians 5. I want to get through this tonight, so I'm kind of hopping through and we may end up going too fast. I'm not sure. Galatians 5, being very careful with the company that you choose. Because as we're trying to release ourselves from the hostility of of our past, uh, we're trying to release ourselves from the captivity of our past, sometimes people won't let you get there. 
they'll hold you back, kind of like crabs, right, in a bucket. You know, it's hard to pull one out because the other one's going to grab, the, you know, they're going to grab each other and grab each other. You got to sometimes release the people in your past because a little leaven, verse 9, leaven at the whole lump of dough. It's hard to change when you're around people who refuse to change, right? So if you're going to make that change for Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you have to get rid of the people, the negative people in your past who refuse to turn their lives away from worldliness and come to Christ Jesus. Verse 33 of 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. And we know that that's, you know, that's obvious, isn't it? Turn to Psalm chapter 1. It's very obvious. And, and, and the Bible is telling us in Psalm about this company. If you're sitting with sinners, meaning, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying we're judging the world, but if you're sitting with people that are doing mischievous things, if you stay with them, it won't be long before you're going to do those exact same things. In fact, you're almost an accessory to the same stuff. God's people have to control the conversations we're in. We have to control the situations that we're in. And we have to control the people that we are around. And what I mean by that is, is that if people refuse to conform to Christ, then we've got to exit that home or exit that particular location because we're going to find ourselves falling away. It's so easy to be tripped up, especially when you're dealing with people of your past who refuse to change and come to Christ. Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his, in his law he, de- he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its seasons, and his leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. The man of God does not sit in that place of destruction. Instead, they find themselves in an environment that is productive in a godly way. Again, if you're in a situation where um, you're around people who just refuse to change, remove yourself. If you cannot, if your presence isn't enough to help those folks to conform to godliness, and you got to remember this, if you know, if it's you and 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 five other people, you're probably not going to change them. They're probably going to change you, right? Because it's just power in numbers. And so we just really need to be careful. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17. Jesus, I know he says, I'm not, I'm not taking you out of the world. But what we do know is this, that Jesus wants us to not act like the world. So if we're living like the world because we're constantly around the world, then we've got to change the environment around us. Jeremiah 17 and verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the, in the desert and will not see when, he pro- when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness and land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man whose trust in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought 
nor cease to yield fruit. The blessed man is in Jesus. So here's what we have to do. We have to learn to escape going into that shell. Right? To, To escape using our minds as our refuge. Because the reality is that Jesus wants to be our refuge. Okay? Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And, and what we ought to think about is this. Instead of, instead of seeking, uh, the refuge of the mind, take that moment, that time to dig, meaning go into the, the storehouse of Jesus. Get into the mind of Christ. And we do that by, by reading His Word and staying focused on His Word and staying focused in prayer. That's a true safe haven as opposed to just the refuge of the mind. I want to read all of Psalm 146, beginning at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should not should change, excuse me, should change. And though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolation in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So here this psalmist is saying, you know, instead of instead of holding on to your weapons and instead of holding on to your nation and Seek refuge in the Lord, because that's where true refuge is found. Psalm 18, that's where true inner peace is found. As God strengthens us every single day, when we rely on Him, when we trust in Him, uh, there is our God. Psalm 18, beginning at verse 1. I love Thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me and the torrents of ungodliness terrified me. The cords of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry for help before him came into his ears. So God is a true refuge. I may escape for a moment, but with God I escape for a lifetime. When I do it my own way, I, I I may be clear of this situation, but with God, I'm freed from the situation. 
And so seeking God as a refuge, as a, a form of escape, is very valuable and very important. So think about negativity. Negative energy causes each of us to react in negative ways. I mean, it's hard to fight negativity. You know, when someone's being negative and they get around you and, and, and you know, and, and this group over here, they're, they're in the negative and you're trying to be positive. It is hard to turn negative people around. It's difficult. So if I'm going to change and transform my mind, I must, I must think about getting rid of the negative and moving toward the positive. But it's difficult when you're in the midst of a bunch of negative people, right? You've got to change that environment. Look at Numbers uh, chapter 13. I want to give you an example of, of how uh, negative energy just feeds in. And you, you could have a feeding frenzy uh, that just isn't, uh, isn't good uh, at all. Numbers chapter 13. We're going to begin over it. The context is Moses sent uh, folks out to scout out the land, uh, the promised land. They oversee, they look at the environment, and it's exactly what God said it was going to be. But there's some really negative people amongst these spies. Ten of the spies, ten are negative. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, are positive. But listen to how even Joshua and Caleb, as positive as they were, and we're talking about Joshua, they couldn't overcome the negativity uh, that was around them. God had to intervene. So Numbers 13, beginning at verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Why should, by all means, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone and spying out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw are in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. And why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of the, those who had spied out the land, tore their robes, their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we have passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land to give us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they shall be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. 
do not fear them. But all the congregation said, to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meetings to all the sons of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people spurn me? How long will they not believe in me? Despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst. And so this negative energy caused these Israelites to decide to stone Moses and Joshua and Caleb and to not trust in God. Although everything they saw was exactly what God promised to them. It was exactly what God said that land would be. But they had no faith. Negative energy. First Corinthians chapter 5. The church at Corinth, there was a man here dealing with the context um, who, who's sleeping with his father's wife. And the church, instead of condemning this action because of, you know, peer pressure and everything else, uh, they, they were boasting about it, right? I don't know they all agreed it was right, but because of, you know, peer pressure, they, they boasted and, it, you know, it is what it is. Verse 5, listen to what it says. I've decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? So it doesn't take a lot of, of negative energy to overcome the positive. And so it's important to remove the negative energy from us. What about depression? Uh, a low spirit, a, a saddened heart, uh, a low uh, esteem. As we as we introduced this this topic, um, life enrichment. You know, we looked at the scriptures and we found depression is not a sin. You know, we no one wants to be depressed, but there are often times when many uh, people are depressed, even in Christ. Turn to First Kings chapter nineteen. God does want us to. Uh, you know, snap out of that depression. But it's a lot more difficult for some than it is for others. We even talked about those who are uh, have chemical imbalances and, and problems there. And, you know, they need medication. And this is a really serious subject. Depression is, is very difficult. And, it's, and it is a life struggle. There are many folks who find themselves in that situation again. The idea is, how can we become more positive? How can we climb out of that hole or that dungeon of despair? Remember Elijah. Now, chapter 18, Elijah was in a in a, uh, an amazing situation. Um, Jezebel had threatened to take his life in chapter 19. Chapter 18, uh, there were 400 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Asherah who, um, who came after Elijah, I may have had those numbers mixed up, but anyway, um, came after Elijah. Uh, Elijah said, the God who's God, you know, we're going we're gonna to sacrifice to him. God will bring fire from heaven. And, and God brought fire from heaven, and Elijah killed all the, the prophets of Baal. And then he outran the chariot on foot, right? Big rainstorm was coming. He outran a chariot on foot. And then he hears Jezebel. Say this in chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, 
if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was a head of, uh, at his head a bread caked, baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, torn down thine altars, and killed thy prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. That was an amazingly depressing moment for Elijah. And we learn something. We learn that when you're dealing with depression, uh, one of your one of your your greatest um, blessings is exercise or staying busy. Right? Exercise is great. Uh, get up and, and just try to motivate yourself to do something. Um, uh, get to work. You know, work. Do, don't just lay and sit because you'll become even more and more. Press. What God does is God tells Elijah, Elijah, okay, I've heard your complaint. Now go back to work. He gives him another task and sends him back out there to complete his mission in the Lord. Turn to Job uh, chapter 3. And let's look at verse verse 1. After all that happened to Job, he begins to speak. And this is what he says, verse 1. Afterward, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was to be born, and the night which said, A boy is conceived. May that day be darkness. Let not God above care for it, nor let light shine on it. Let darkness and black gloom claim it. Let a cloud settle on it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful shout enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are prepared to rouse Leviathan. Let the stars of its twilight be darkened. Let it wait for light, but have none. Neither let it see the breaking dawn, because it did not shut the opening of my mother's womb or hide trouble from my eyes. Jeremiah was in a, a, not Jeremiah, but Job was in a very difficult strait, right? I mean, and we know, we read the book of Job, and, and you realize Job was a righteous man, fearing God, turning away from evil, um, 
And he was a blameless man. He was a righteous, God-fearing man. And yet he struggled with depression. And we say, well, I see why, right? Well, keep in mind that even God said that God would not allow us to, you know, uh, handle or have more we put on us than we can bear. So Job, he could bear it. Right? I mean, nobody wants this. But it's all relevant, isn't it? I mean, you know, my my state of depression might be different from yours. Obviously, it will be. We're all different. But still, our refuge has to be in God. And that's where Job comes to. That's where Elijah comes to. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter uh, chapter 15. Jeremiah has to get there too. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet, right? He doesn't, he doesn't bring one man to repentance. And all the preaching he did and all of the teaching that he did, he's known to us as the weeping prophet. Not one person was converted or changed their minds. Jeremiah gets to a low in Jeremiah 15 and verse 10. Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me as a man of strife and a man of contention to all the land, I have neither lent nor have men lent money to me, yet every one curses me. He's just doing God's work, right? Look at verse 18. Why has my pain been perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Wilt thou indeed be to me like a deceptive stream with waters that is unreliable? Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah the prophet struggled in his relationship. But his strength was in Christ. Right? His strength was in Christ. So here's what happens. Uh, Because of procrastination, we oppress ourselves. (laughs) We're we're our own worst enemies, right? Um, Look look over at uh, at the Apostle Paul. 1 Timothy. And what I want to do is encourage you to allow Paul to be the winner. Okay, I mean, and what I mean by that is, uh, Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. Let him have that. Right? <laughs> Let him have that. We don't need to be in a, I've watched people say, oh, you know, I, I know Paul said he was the chief, but let Paul have that title, brethren. Verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. And yet for this reason I found mercy in order that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's something we have to learn how to do. We're going to turn to Philippians. Uh, we have to learn how to stop beating ourselves up because of our shortcomings. No one's perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. This doesn't excuse sin. But the point is, is that you have to get up, confess your faults to Jesus, repent of your sins, dust yourself off, know you've been forgiven, and then move forward with the Lord. We're not supposed to just stay here and just say, well, you know, woe is me. Get up, church, right? We have to get up. Allow Paul to have the chief spot, and we'll just take the little Indian spot, if you want to call it that. We'll take the little position, if you will, in our service to the Lord. Philippians 3 and verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it, 
or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Give it to Jesus. We have to stop beating ourselves up. Allow Paul to have that 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 chief position, if you will. And let's remember, if God brought Paul through it, he'll bring us through too. Right? So we have opportunity in front of us in our service to the Lord, but we have to believe that God has really given us an opportunity. And the way that we can believe it is this. Right now, if you're watching this, you're alive. <laughs> There's your opportunity, right? Every day, every moment that we're alive, we have an opportunity to transform or change our minds from the wicked and the evil mindset to a godly mindset, from a mindset of oppression and struggle uh, to a mindset that making God your refuge. Every day we have an opportunity to strive. Today might be better than yesterday, but every day we should try to take advantage of the opportunity that God has granted to us just for that day alone. So here's what happens. We learn the truth, and then we say, okay, I'm no longer going to um, oppress my mind or oppress myself. But then we do something else instead. We repress ourselves, right? Repression. Uh, and, and so uh, we hold back um, and, and subdue ourselves. Again, another, another way of self-imprisoning self. And I'm going to give you an example of that. I'm going to ask you a question. Here's the question. Could Judas have repented? Yeah, of course he could have. I mean, God doesn't take away our free will. God didn't make Judas sin. Judas sin, turn to Matthew, please, 26. Judas sin because that was his choice. That was his desire. Uh, money, the love of money was his weakness. And so he sinned. Judas could have repented, but Judas did not. He repressed what he knew to be correct and right. He suppressed truth and traded it for a lie. And he got himself into trouble. Uh, verse 14. Then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me to deliver him up to you and they weighed out to him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, he began looking for an opportunity to betray him. But after he did it, he realized he was wrong. And what did he do? And went out and hanged himself. That's not the answer. That's never the answer. If you can just stop for a moment, uh, rid yourself of the oppressive mindset and allowing Satan to repress what you know to be true, God will forgive you. You just have to give it to him. Give God the chance to work in your life. Don't suppress the truth, right? What you know to be true. There's always a way out. There's always a way out. No one ever has to uh, commit suicide. No one ever has to kill themselves. That is never the answer. 
The answer is always Jesus. And we know that. We know that now. But how many people have suppressed the truth and oppressed themselves and then followed through with suicide? It's a very devastating situation to be in. And it's Satan all the way. Satan is is so deceptive. He gets into our heads and makes us think there's no way out. And what a what a terrible uh, situation to be in. We need the help of God throughout our lives. And, and only God can help us. And so today, while there's some sanity in my mind, today is a day to think about the greatness, the great goodness of God. And keep trying to tell myself that and remind myself that and never suppress the truth of that and rely on that and depend on that and know that as difficult as life could be, In this very moment that I'm in right now, I know it's going to pass like the seasons, right? Summer and winter and spring and fall. It's going to pass like the seasons and God's going to renew us. But we have to be patient and allow him to do that. And that, brethren, I know is a very difficult thing for some people to do. And it's a tall order or a tall task, but it's still the truth. It's still the truth, though it may be a challenge and difficult. So the question and we're going to look at a couple more scriptures in closing out this series is, how are you today? How are you today? And when you answer that question, I want you to think about this. Because often we'll hear, well, I've had better days. Or the standard answer, I'm doing great. We don't always tell the truth, do we? How are you today? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. No, and we're really not, right? We're trying to hide the truth. Maybe we ought not do that. Maybe we ought to be more uh, expressive in the sense of saying, maybe uh, giving other answers like, well, today's not the best day, but, you know, and then remind yourself of a truth. But God is good and God will rescue me. God will bring me through this or, uh, you, you know, pray for me or something to that sort. But, but let's not suppress the truth about how we really feel, that in itself will make us feel better. It's like we have to hide the fact. And I think it's because of judgment, right? People love to judge other people, and we ought not be that way as Christians. The Bible tells us that. But because of judgment, we fear telling the truth. I mean, we don't always have up days. We don't always have great, and, you know, I mean, there are times within our day and, and for some of us, there are, there are times within our week and our month, and maybe it's not, you know, we got to admit 2020 hasn't been the best year, but it hasn't changed God, right? And so we see the truth of the matter, but we can admit, well, this hasn't been the best year. We don't have to say, oh, it's a great year. It's not a great year. It's, it's, it's an interesting year. But we step away from it and say, but in reality, it is a great year because God is still here, right? God is a change. So we got to go from being honest to being honest. Instead of saying, this is a great year, you know, because I have faith in God. Well, you're not really being honest because it's not really a great year. But instead say, well, you know, honestly, in all the days I've lived on the earth, 2020 has not been the best year. But one thing I know about 2020 is God hasn't changed. God is still here. God still loves us. God is still in control. We have to be honest. Don't suppress the truth. 
John 8, 32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that's the truth, right? Let's be honest about things in our lives. Mark chapter 4. One of the great things about uh, this idea of life enrichment is this. If you're honest, you, you learn to become your own uh, counselor. You know, that, that idea of self-talk. You know, you remind yourself. Remind yourself of the greatness of our God. How great and how wonderful our God is even in difficult times and difficult years and difficult moments. Our God is an awesome God. Right? We know that regardless of what's going on around us. Verse 22 of Mark chapter 4 says, For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, and nor has anything become secret, but that should, it should come to light. In other words, we can't hide it anyway. It's kind of out there when someone looks you in the eyes and says, how are you doing? And you go, oh, I'm just fine. And you're really not. And we can see it. <laughs> just be honest. Say, you know, it's not the best day. But you know what? God is good. Remind yourself, whenever there's a negative, right? My day is not, it's not the best day. Remind yourself of the positive, right? And that's what we have as Christians. We have this positive blessing because we have Christ Jesus, our Lord, who will take care of every situation in our lives. Well, God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity to discuss this. It's been a long series, um, uh, but I think it's enough. So we're going to move on to another series. Lord willing, next Wednesday, we will um, begin looking at Jesus uh, and, and falling in love with Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. So thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. In a moment, we'll have a Devo. And the invitation is always there. For anyone who would like to come to Christ Jesus, please contact us. If you're in need of prayer, contact us. Let us know if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, whether you'd like to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism uh, or if you just need prayers made on your behalf, please make it known to us. God bless you and thank you.